Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury. The premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Live March 20th from the Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City. Featuring a performance by John Batiste. The all-new 2025 Infiniti QX80 is an SUV designed to help every passenger feel just right. Be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. Don't miss it. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Our world is full of the unexplainable. And if history is an open book... All of these amazing tales are right there on display, just waiting for us to explore. Welcome to the Cabinet of Curiosities. A people's devotion to a higher power is no more evident than in the structures they build to honor it. From small congregations in modest churches to vast networks of bishops and clergy that worship in great cathedrals, every religious group has a place where they can commune with their chosen god. The Hindu-turned-Buddhist temple of Angkor Wat in Cambodia sits on 402 acres. It remains to this day as the largest religious structure in the world. Prambanan, a Hindu temple compound in Indonesia, is comprised of 240 individual temples and dates back to the 8th century. But few religious monuments are as unique as Kailasa Temple in India. Construction of the Hindu structure was started during the 8th century, and it resides in Maharashtra, a region in western India, and took its name from the Himalayan home of the god Shiva. The base of the temple features enormous elephants chiseled out of rock that seem to hold the whole thing up. When visitors step through the two-story entrance into the central courtyard, they can see a stone carving of Nandi, the sacred bull of Shiva. In fact, Shiva is depicted throughout the temple as 23-foot-tall statues and within expertly carved relief panels. And there are other reliefs and panels as well, two of which depict scenes from two of the most important Sanskrit epics of ancient India the Ramayana, and the Mahabharata. The Mahabharata tells the story of a battle between two groups of cousins during a massive war, while the Ramayana is about a prince named Rama who was exiled to the forest for many years before he returned home to be crowned king. And these tales have been meticulously carved into the walls of the temple as relief, permanent reminders of India's rich history. Legend has it that the temple was part of a bargain made by a worried queen, her king had been very sick and was near death. The queen prayed to the god Shiva for a cure, making two promises as well. First, she would build a temple in Shiva's name. Second, she would fast until its completion, illustrating her dedication to the king and to her god. The queen's husband did recover, and true to her words, she commissioned builders to begin work on the temple immediately. There was just one problem. It was going to take years to complete. She couldn't starve herself for that long, but in a stroke of good fortune, an engineer came forward with a plan. If he started building from the top down, he could finish the temple within a week. With the help of the engineer, workers moved between 200,000 and 400,000 tons of rock to construct the temple. But they didn't do it in a week. That's just what the legend says. A temple as big as Kailasa took more than seven days to build, no matter how many people were involved. In total, it took them roughly 26 years to complete. The workers did, however, work their way to the ground from the top of the temple. And if that sounds physically impossible, that's because it would be. 
if they had been using materials brought in from other places. But Kailasa Temple wasn't assembled. It was carved. The whole temple, twice the area of the Parthenon, was dug out of a single mountain. Over 200 tons of volcanic rock were excavated from the site as they worked. And being the 8th century, workers didn't have cranes or backhoes to help move things around. They carved out the whole thing, including all the sculptures and relief panels, using nothing more than hammers and chisels. Kailasa Temple is part of a collection of 33 other cave temples, known as the Alora Caves, but it stands out because of its size and method of construction. At 150 feet from the top of the mountain and three stories tall, it's an unrecognized wonder of the world, and proof that one's devotion to their faith can run deep. Very, very deep. Witness the dawning of a new era in automotive luxury with a reveal unlike any other as Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Join us March 20th live from the edge at Hudson Yards in New York City Featuring an unforgettable performance by Grammy and Academy Award-winning singer, songwriter, and composer, John Batiste. The all-new Infiniti QX80 is unlike any luxury SUV you've ever seen. Smart enough to anticipate your needs, even before you do. Every line, curve, and detail was thoughtfully crafted, so everything for every passenger feels just right. Don't miss it. Mark your calendars and be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Apple Card is the perfect cashback rewards credit card. You earn up to 3% daily cash on every purchase every day. That's 3% on your favorite products at Apple, 2% on all other Apple Card with Apple Pay purchases, and 1% on anything you buy with your titanium Apple Card or virtual card number. Visit apple.co slash card calculator to see how much you can earn. Apple Card issued by Goldman Sachs Bank USA, Salt Lake City branch, subject to credit approval. Terms apply. At UC San Diego, we understand that in order to turn the vast unknown into new cures or human connections or expansive culture, you have to be willing to venture further out. That's why we'll go as far as the International Space Station with cancer cells in hand and novel medicines in mind. That's why we map the seemingly randomness of forest fires and connect them with revolutionary AI to see where they'll appear next. And it's why we arrive on the San Diego shore from all over the world to bring different perspectives to our world's biggest challenges. When you push the boundaries of science, art, and culture, whole worlds open up. And at UC San Diego, that's where the real adventure starts. Learn more at ucsd.edu. You might not have heard of Diogo Alves. In the realm of serial killers, his name doesn't stoke fear or fascination the way Ted Bundy or Richard Speck might. But get to know him a little, and you start to see a man who deserved the same notoriety as his peers, especially in death. Alves was born in Galicia, Spain in 1810. 
His family was poor, and a childhood injury he incurred after falling off the family horse didn't help. Some think that the damage to his head, which also inspired his nickname Pancada, or Blow, can be attributed to the sharp turn he took toward robbery and murder later in life. When Alves was 19, his parents sent him to Lisbon to find a job, but nothing seemed to take. He bounced from place to place, but his young age and modest upbringing meant work was hard to find. Eventually, he found a job working as a servant for wealthier members of Spanish society. His family naturally wanted to know how things were going for him, but he never wrote them back. Perhaps he was ashamed of where he'd ended up, or maybe he hadn't found the right line of work yet. One day, he ended up at a tavern run by a woman named Maria. Rumor had it that Alves and Maria grew close, very close. That's when he started stealing and copying the keys of the tavern's patrons, so that he could rob their homes later. One of the keys he copied allowed him to access a nearby aqueduct. This aqueduct was a massive stone structure that distributed water all across Lisbon, and it also provided Alves with the perfect venue for robbing farmers on their way back from the city each night. Once he had liberated each of them from their money and belongings, he would fling them off the top of the aqueduct, 65 stories to their death. Over the course of three years, he did this dozens of times, and amazingly, the police were none the wiser. By 1837, however, Alves had lost his killing spot. The number of suspected suicides forced authorities to close the aqueduct to the public. As a result, he formed a gang and started breaking into people's homes to rob and kill them there instead. In 1840, the police finally caught him, although they were never able to tie him to the aqueduct murders. However, they did manage to convict him for the home invasions he and his gang had committed, including the deaths of a family of four. It was the tavern owner's 11-year-old daughter, also named Maria, who testified against him and helped to cement his conviction. The jury sentenced Diogo Elvez to death, making him the second-to-last criminal ever executed in Portugal. But there was something about his corpse that had captured the interests of students at the Medical Surgical School of Lisbon. The rash of murders he'd committed were so out of place for the quiet communities he and his gang had terrorized for all those years. So after he was hanged for his crimes, doctors examined his head more closely. They wanted to see how a man like Alves could have ended up so depraved and devoid of morals. Because remember, this was 1841, and the practice of phrenology was just beginning to gain steam within the medical community. Phrenology, of course, was the study of the bumps on a person's head as indicators of their mental abilities and personality traits. Today, it's recognized as complete bunk, pure pseudoscience. But at the time, scientists honestly believed that the shape of a person's skull could explain their behavior and decisions. Researchers at the medical school in Lisbon wanted to see if defects in Alves's cranium could explain why he murdered 70 people during his lifetime. Unfortunately, they couldn't find any evidence for his lack of a conscience. But if you're a student and you'd like to have a look, you can go visit Diogo Alves yourself and look him right in the eyes. Well, his head, at least. It was preserved in formaldehyde immediately after his execution and looks almost exactly as it did on the day he died. His face bears the quiet, peaceful expression of a man who looks nothing like a cold-blooded killer. If only disembodied heads could talk. I hope you've enjoyed today's guided tour of the Cabinet of Curiosities. 
Subscribe for free on Apple Podcasts or learn more about the show by visiting curiositiespodcast.com. This show was created by me, Aaron Mankey, in partnership with How Stuff Works. I make another award-winning show called Lore, which is a podcast, book series, and television show. And you can learn all about it over at theworldoflore.com. And until next time, stay curious. Thank you.